Blanco Podcast and Grill. We have a fine assortment of hot takes and bad predictions for you to sample this evening. On today's menu, The Cowboys. Today's special is The Cowboys. So you'll be having The Cowboys? Fine selection, sir. And now, here's your head chef. Um, he's not really a chef. Well, Trey Blanco. And his faithful busboy, Daniel Davidson. I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Good to hear from you, man. It's been a, it's been a little while. It's been a little while. So long, man. I think we're all ready for football to start up. <laughs> we've, been, we've been craving it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, man. Uh, US USFL didn't do it for me, man. <laughs> so, they, they tried their best, though. They did try. Oh, it was man. some good football. The, I did catch the championship game. And that was some pretty good football. Hey, we we signed a few, a uh, couple players off. You know, some mm-hmm. USFL USFL rosters. So pretty cool. But anyway, it's your boy Ed White, aka Trey Blanco, with Trey Blanco's podcast and grill. We're breaking down the X's and O's of Cowboy football. I got my sous chef Daniel with me today. Say hello to the people, Daniel. What they do, baby? Yes, man. I, hey, you know, people are actually trying to starting to do that for us. They probably hang out with people. So that's pretty cool. Uh Julian is not with us today. Our producer, uh, Mr. DR Lewis, not third baby. Is not with us today as well. So, you know, I got some uh I told y'all last episode we're doing we got this new platform, you know, we're trying out this uh Riverside uh Riverside. platform. Man. And I got some hosts in the building, so I figured out some new toys. You know, I got oh, some Lord. Ah, some little transitions <laughs> with it. <laughs> and hey, and just in case the crowd doesn't like it, if the crowd likes it, listen to it. Yeah, cheer it on, cheer it on. Oh man, Derek's gonna hate that part. I don't care. Don't revoke your privileges, bro. Fun. I know, right? <laughs> hey, you gotta show up. You know, you gotta show up. <laughs> I get toys, man. I'm gonna start playing with these things, man. Mm-hmm. Which I start ad- editing more audio into this stuff. But anyway, it's just, like I said, man. We're uh, back for our training camp preview. Yes. You know, uh, Cowboys literally started training camp. They uh, went to Oxnard yesterday. They had their media day today, and they hit the field tomorrow, man. So we're going to see um, some clips and all that stuff. But we just wanted to get an episode out to you guys pre-training uh, camp or look like our training during training camp. Have a couple of talks, have different ideas. But um, it's uh, it's going to be pretty fun. It's pretty fun. And we're about to be rocking and rolling with this thing, Daniel. So you excited with it, man? Oh, yeah, man. Looking real, real forward to it. Um, I think for this season, most Cowboys fans, it's, it's, it's so weird because, you know, usually around this time of the year, we're all kind of getting hyped up, ready for the eventual Super Bowl run. We all think it's going to happen, but not really get that same energy this year. It's kind of like everybody's kind of like wait and see type of, I don't know, <laughs> a little bit upset about the offseason and kind of just side eyeing Jerry Jones and, and, and the family and such. So <laughs> we haven't had this feeling in quite some time. Um, so it's interesting to see how that kind of plays out. Maybe it's for the best. Maybe that will trickle down to the players themselves. They'll be more kind of locked in or something. You don't you don't really know. But it's just kind of just talking to Cowboys fans, seeing how it is on social media, watching, you know, the shows and everything. It just it's not that same buzz. Who knows? Maybe someone's gonna show out in training camp and it'll ramp back up again, but I think it's gonna be a little bit different vibe for this season, it seems like. 
Nah, man, I'll tell you what, man, I actually like this energy right now, you know, because, I mean, I always said, like, Cowboys fans are way over the top with it. Like, hey, we already knew we weren't going to win the Super Bowl, like, last year or the year before. Like, we knew that. But, like, Cowboys fans, some Cowboys fans, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, I kind of like this kind of mellow time right now, you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone's like, hey, let's hold on our expectations. Let's just see what the team is developing, you know, um, and, like, Let's just take our time with it. You know what I mean? Let's just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the but team. It's, kind of, it's strange because they're kind of like all turning on all the players right now. Like everybody's turning on Zeke Elliott, blaming him for everything. They're turning on oh, Dad yeah. Prescott saying he's overpaid. So it's kind of weird. And, you know, it's like, you know, these are still our players, y'all. We got to support them. Hey, <laughs> and it's not like they're like man, been, bad players. I've been on this mode of that keep the same energy mode, man. I've been like this. Right. I've been first. I've been having this type of. I've been. I've been coining that phrase for like the past three months. I feel it's like, hey man, keep that same energy. And so like, hey, if this team makes it to the playoffs, you know, we get past the divisional round, we're going into the conference championship. Hey, keep that same energy that you had at the beginning of the season about Dak and Zeke. You know, if Zeke rushes for twelve hundred yards, double digit touchdowns, top three rusher of the year. Keep that same energy that she had, you know. I, I would tell Julian the same thing too when he's back on the show. <laughs> 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 oh, no, I love Julian, man. I love his energy. Um, so before we get really into detail about training camp, and uh, dang, I'm actually about to throw a curveball to you. There's some stories mm-hmm. I want to actually kind of level out through. And so one thing, let's talk about Kevin Joseph. Uh, we know uh, earlier on, or during early in the off season. He had an incident where uh, he was in a car. Someone out of his vehicle shot a gun at a at a person, killed the person, I believe, um, and committed murder, and got the dude drove off. And so Kevin Joseph was questioned um, mm-hmm. for the situation. He was potentially could have been charged. So he has now been cleared of all criminal charges um, for that incident. Of course, the NFL could still do some type of punishment on him, but we don't know about that. But uh, Daniel, how important was that for Kevin Joseph and the team to just get cleared from the criminal side of the, of the situation and or we're still wait for what the NFL is going to do. I think it is, it is big time. Um, you really don't want that cloud hanging over your head going to training camp. Um, Kelvin Joseph already kind of missed quite a bit of time last year for the, for training camp in terms of injuries and it kind of set him back. And he's a guy that, you know, he slipped to the second round for a reason because of some concerns over his, you know, off the field type of stuff. But I think everybody will agree that he actually has that talent to have been a first-round draft pick, and I think he can show that on the field as well. But that's going to come with preparation and actually getting the reps in to prepare for his upcoming season. So I think it's really big that he can now – that's behind him. He can focus fully on training camp. Um, doesn't worry about the media for that part. Um, doesn't worry about having to miss training camp because of stuff going on you know, with, with, the, with the law and such. So I think it's going to be a big offseason for him. Um, there's definitely going to be a spot across from Trayvon Diggs open, you know, up for grass or anybody. And if he actually can step in there and maybe elevate and, you know, take over that spot, that's going to go a long way in terms of actually this team maybe surprising a lot of the fans this year. Because right now I think we're going to expect everybody to take a step back on offense and on defense. Uh, because, you know, we went turnover crazy last year, but most people assume that you don't usually get those type of seasons two years in a row. But even without the turnovers, we have maybe more solid defense, which we had at spurts last year, but it wasn't really consistent. If we can get maybe just to that, then I think this team can actually, you know, be pretty decent going forward. So I think for him, it's, it's big time. And for the team overall, you know, you don't want that, that type of stuff hanging over your heads um, for the – it could be the whole season too. It didn't kind of get resolved. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Like, because he came on – he had a – towards the end of the year, he came on, he actually started playing well. Um, like – I do agree that that second spot, that second corner spot is open, you know. So Anthony Brown, he had like I have to I have to admit, 
Minus that one game against Oakland. Anthony Brown had a pretty darn good season. You give know? him his flowers, you know, I, Ed. Give him his flowers, yeah, I, give him some, I give him his flowers, you know. Boy, like, you, you, were, know, you, 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 of, you were spitting that venom at him last, last year. I, I sure was, man. It, I didn't hold back on him, man. I definitely was saying, like, hey, he's the worst one out of the group. Get him out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had that energy, bro. But, uh, you know, I watched back some, some of the games. Hey, man, he didn't do a bad job. You know, he was definitely up there as as – competing you know of course he didn't get the amount of turnovers that Trayvon did but hey uh he played well and so like minus that Oakland game but like overall he played a pretty pretty damn good season and so but like you said I do believe Kelvin could compete against him for that position and then we have that rookie that we signed in the uh that we got in the fourth round to compete against uh Jordan Lewis at the slot position too so like you know that secondary mm-hmm. It's looking, it's looking good. I do like the fact that we re-signed Jeremiah Curse, Malik Hooker. You know, if Malik Hooker could have a healthy season, like I mean, we already knew what he was before he got hurt, and so um, the secondaries could be one of the best secondaries in the NFC East, challenging one of the one of the best secondaries in the NFC. And so, but definitely could be clear out the NFC East, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know nowadays you need definitely more than just two good cornerbacks on your team to to be competitive. Um, you know the way the teams will throw the ball nowadays, so. Even though uh, Anthony Bryant had a good season, hopefully he can repeat the same thing, maybe do a little bit better. But if we get a third corner is also, you know, at least starter tier that we can put in the in the slot or in the nickel there, then that's going to go a long way for us for our defense as well. And it, even better if he's one of the younger guys kind of stepping into that role because um, if hopefully he can kind of shine through and actually show that he does is a first-round talent in terms of his playing ability, then at that point you actually may have, you know, potentially two stars in that secondary. And, you know, that's something that we can build upon because it's still a very young team. Um, so, but you want to see, you know, that talent develop, especially the way that we're treating free agency as of right now, then we kind of are putting a lot on our draft picks to actually, you know, de- <laughs> for us to develop them and for them to produce, you know, time in the time out on the field. So it's kind of a must have at this point, if we're going to keep going down the same trend of, you know, pinching pennies when it comes to not our players. Yeah, man. Keep that. Uh, hold on to that free agency thing. We're going to save that one for a little bit later. Uh, one more topic I want to get into, and this is about mm-hmm. our first round draft pick, Tyler Smith. And so there's yep. been some videos of him training in the offseason. And so uh, multiple things like this in between like training camp and then uh, the rookie mini camp and the mandatory mini camp and the OTAs. And so what he has done is go to the Edge Summit, the Edge Rusher Summit. And so uh, which means like the Edge Rushers are honing down their skills so mm-hmm. demarcus we're inviting him out there just to be the just get the o-line out to get some o-line option uh runs but hey he was out there training too and so they showed a clip there's a clip of him and so as soon as i figure out we'll be able to play the video but uh, i've been <laughs> figuring that out yet but uh there's a clip of him going up against um ah gosh what's his name out of cincinnati trey hutchinson Henderson, Trey Henderson, the defensive line, oh, Trey mm-hmm. Henderson, and so and we talk about and we we looked at the tape from college, right? We talked about his uh, his feet wasn't that well. He's all, but he's just a big dude and overpowers somebody because he was a non power five conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the t- this clip. He punched Trey right in the chest, like clear and locked onto them. Trey fell back, dude. And I was like, okay, this could be something. This could be something. But yeah. hold on. Then there's another t- There's another one where he worked out with this uh, O-line guru that everyone has really talked about. He worked on this guy one-on-one, and he had his hands tight, and this, it was just a battle. 
and he was back, pushing back, pushing back. And I was like, okay. And he's moving his feet. I was like, okay. And I was like, all right, Tyler. And I was like, hey, this is something good to see. So, like, hope and pass. Now, of course, he was in T-shirt and shorts. But if you get in the pass and I see this type of feet movement and he's able to lock on to this, it's like, okay, we may, we may be okay with this now. I was like, all right. So, Tyler Smith working in the offseason on his own. I think that's a good thing for as us Cowboys fans, you know, and as for him, you know, this get better at this position because, hey, hey, in my opinion, he's a day one starter. So yeah. he's doing the things that he needs to do to get better, in my opinion. So for me, I think there's um some good and bad with that. So the good for it is, like you said, kind of coming into the draft when he got drafted, even though he went a little higher than some people thought he should have gone. One thing that they did say for his positives was that he is very athletic and also very strong, too. I think he, he can show that pretty easily in his workouts, and which is why you kind of say, like, when he, when he punches, you know, the D linemen, they kind of they, they stop in their tracks because he does have that, you know, massive upper body strength, which is going to bode well for him. Since he's starting out, I think, at, at guard anyways, it's like a, a big position for using your strength, upper body strength to kind of control what's in front of you. Now, where I think it may be a little bit misleading is because, like I said, it is currently just, you know, training kind of you know honing your skills but when the pads come on and then they're going full speed he has a tendency which he showed in college quite a bit to get a little bit handsy and grabby and that you can't really show that so much in training when you're doing stuff like that but when it comes to actual game time live speed it's shown that when stuff breaks down he doesn't really trust in his technique and he kind of starts grabbing stuff and kind of throwing people around and unfortunately he was flat quite a bit in that lower division going against, you know, not the same top of tier athletes you're going to see day in and day out in the NFL. So, but he's doing the right things. Though. I mean, seeing the top pass rushers day in and day out, working with, you know, a very good coach for that, how you kind of get around the whole grabbing is that you improve your technique and you actually learn to trust in your technique with that. So I think he's kind of going down that right path, but we'll have to kind of wait and see, you know, when the pads come on, when the pads come on and when the lights are on, kind of how he's going to handle that because does he kind of, you know, get hurried up and start panicking. It's easy when you panic and start grabbing and kind of just, you know, doing what you're not supposed to do. So hopefully you can get, get that in check. Um, but if not, then yeah, that's going to be a, be a bigger issue, but he does have quite a bit of potential though. But he, I think at this point, he's going to be currently a project, but a product that's going to have to start. I think he's going to still be able to do, at least be serviceable just because of his physical traits at this point. Yeah. And so like you said, you know, it has to, we have to see it when it comes to pads. And so, um, like, it's still good to see him trying to fix his technique issues and trying to hold down mm-hmm. on certain things. And so and that's why I got excited about it. I just like to see some him not being home, being lazy, you know what I mean? Uh, he's out and, there getting some work in, you know. Well, and the bigger thing, too, is because his long-term, you know, his long-term – projection right now actually isn't guard is going to be tackle so it's kind of him kind of you know learning some skills that gonna bode well for him further down the line because at some point in time i think he's going to be sifted out there to tackle either probably not this year but maybe in a couple of seasons or so so it is good right now you know get the work in kind of get used to being around those type of power rushers speed rushers and such and start working on that type of technique because uh, at some point in time i think the cowboys dropped him in mind to eventually be a tackle yep uh absolutely because uh Tyron Smith, you know, he has this year and next year still left on his contract. Um, mm. You know, some – with the amount of injuries that that man has gone through and, like, Tyron Smith is, like, he's a physique of a guy at that size. And so – but the amount of injuries that he has gone through, I actually don't see him getting another contract with us or even trying to hit the field again after his contract is up with us, to be honest. Because uh, – Things are going to walk away? 
Yeah, I think so, man. <laughs> I mean, he takes he took he has a lot of injuries on his belt, and so yeah, I feel a lot like of to walk away from though. No, I'm saying he's gonna finish. It. I mean, how much do you think he's gonna I'm get saying, paid after after this contract? I think he's gonna get paid quite uh, well. Smith. You think? I think he's gonna get paid. Yeah, because he's he's still when he can play, he's still gonna be a high level tackle unless I this mean, season he's still a top five tackle when he when he's healthy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think. Either the Cowboys don't want to pay him, or other teams will take a shot saying, oh, maybe our training staff can at least keep him healthy enough for like a run for the playoffs, something like that. I can see him still getting you know, paid, not like a long-term contract, but still making a decent amount of money. But that's if he wants to keep playing, though, like you said. He, so like he's a, been in the league for a long, quite a while. Yeah, so like a DeMarcus Ware type of situation where he goes mm-hmm. to Denver and gets a championship. Yeah, and just, just for a quick run for a championship or something. <sighs> Heartbroken over that. All right, well, let's uh, kind of <laughs> transition. <laughs> let's kind of transition. Hold on, transition noise. Uh, into a training camp session. Sounds, sounds, like, sounds like, a, like a movie trailer <laughs> coming this fall. <laughs> coming this fall, training camp. Oh, California. Um, so, again, Cowboys have been to training camp. So, uh, Daniel, the question is for you. It's a three-part th- three question. The first question I have uh-huh. for you is um, who in this training camp are you excited to see, excited about from the Cowboys roster right now and why? The one for me is going to be uh, D. Williams, formerly Sam Williams, who is the we drafted from the second round, the defensive end out of Ole Miss. Um, just because I think he could potentially fill a huge need on our roster right now. Um, you know, when we lost Randy Gregory, I really don't think we did much of anything to address that hole that was made in the roster. And we still have that going to training camp and into the season as of right now. He's someone that flashed in college that actually shows that he has that burst off the edge to be a disruptor which is something that we definitely need. Uh, so I feel that if you can show a little bit more in training camp to potentially actually not only be just a situational pass rusher, but potentially a starter, then that will go a long way, I think, for this team as well. Because, again, he's another young guy, but his skill set that he brings is a lot different from what we currently have on the roster. And we do have Demarcus Lawrence, but a lot of the other guys aren't really just, you know, flash players in terms of coming off that edge and kind of getting, getting flying straight to the quarterback. Um, now, we may lose something in terms of the run defense, but I think when it comes to, you know, being disruptive and helping out that secondary and potentially getting sacks or turnovers, that having that flash end on the other side is going to go a big way for that, too. So I think for him, he has a big opportunity and he has a talent to do it, but with the wait and see and how he attacks the training camp and kind of if he's ready to step up to that role being a, you know, every down type of player. Good, good choice, man. Good, That's a good one. Uh, I personally, I'm excited about um Jabril Cox. And so mm. um he's coming into a season where he can actually get a lot of playing time right next to uh Michael Parsons in that uh two linebacker package where uh where we have four down and two and we have five DBs. Uh, mainly because I feel like he can hold down the run game and he can still cover. And so I yeah. think our be- if Jabril Cox is healthy, I think our best two linebackers currently is uh, <clears throat> Michael Parsons and Jabril Cox. And so and then if the situation where we had to put Michael Parsons on the line to, to rush the quarterback, then Jabril Cox is in there. You know what I mean? And he's right there next to uh, Sean Lee. And so, of course, I would I would, I would hold that step. But uh, that's why I'm excited to see. If he's healthy, you know, if he stays healthy on the field, he can get some playing time out there. Um, I really – I 
definitely did believe Jabril Cox was a, a sleeper pick for us last season, and this is the mm-hmm. season where he has a chance to show out because um, he's going to have that opportunity to get the playing time um, simply because of the way we play our defense last year, the way we used Micah, the way we and the way we used the linebackers and covers this past year. Uh, Jabril Cox definitely has that chance to steal some snaps away from. Uh, I think I said Sean Lee before I met Lady Vander Edge uh, from, <laughs> from LBE. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I messed up on that, but I think uh, that's what I saw. So that's what I'm excited to see. Uh, Jabril Cox out there, and so um, hopefully, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good pick. That's a really good pick too, because like exactly like you said, I think this year we're going to see a lot more of Micah off the edge, even though he was off the edge quite a bit last year. But with Randy being gone and how well he did, um, I think ideally we want to have him rushing as much as possible. But as we saw last year, whenever he did do that, there was nothing behind him in terms of pass coverage, and we were basically eating up alive over the middle every time and time again. So if Jabril can step in there and actually just either be decent or be a plus in the, in the, in the, uh, in our secondary or covering the middle, then I think that allows us to be a little bit more dynamic in terms of where you deploy Micah and you won't know exactly who's going to be down in and down out, which is a big benefit to having him out there. He's like a Swiss army knife and kind of can do a lot of everything out there too. So I hope that is the case. Um, I, for some reason think that, LVE is going to get a lot more playing time than he probably should, but we'll have to see how it plays out in training camp. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. For, and I, I mean, listen, man, I really do hope LVE has a good year. I hope he stays healthy. But, you know, it comes to the time where uh, two years in a row, it was kind of you weren't that good for us, you know what I mean? And so, like, I would have been – okay with him leaving but you know we didn't go after anybody else in the linebacker position in the free agency pool um so i was just like all right cool well, we gotta get lve back <laughs> just in case type of thing um second question for you uh which position group or position battle are you excited to look for looking for um in this training camp um i think i'm gonna say the same it's gonna be the the end spot opposite demarcus lawrence uh you know we have quite a few guys returning that could play in that role and we signed um, one or two as well. So they're, we're throwing numbers at it to kind of see, you know, can someone just step up and kind of take over that role? Or can we get a good rotation going in terms of, you know, this is our run down player, this is our passing down player. So that's going to be very interesting to kind of see how they kind of attack that. Um, I'm not a big fan of trying to use multiple people in that same spot, especially when they're not, you know, like just really high tier players that you're playing there. Um, I think it is a problem area for us right now that could become an issue for us. So that's, again, why I'm hoping that, you know, D. Williams steps up and kind of just takes it by the reins and becomes that every down type of player who we then, you know, can rest from time to time. But if that's not the case, then, yeah, again, there's Dorrance Armstrong, um, quite a few different people that we could throw out there, um, and hopefully someone can give us some type of pressure. But if it is to where we're only getting some a pressure from one side and that's going to be Demarcus Lawrence, then that's going to hinder our defense, I think, quite a bit going forward, especially as we get deeper into the season. And if we, you know, do make the playoffs, I think that also will be an Achilles heel for our defense too. If we can't get to the, to the, uh, the, the quarterback time in the timeout. And with that, you need pressure usually from multiple locations, not just from one side. Yep. Um, that's cool that you stuck with it. Uh, cause I'm not gonna stick with mine, but that was cool. that you stuck with it. Everything <laughs> you said was uh, absolutely right. You know, we do have a lot of bodies that we could throw at that position. Um, but I feel like sometimes it's about uh situation and it's all about getting a groove, you know. And so if you're throwing so many two so many bodies at the position and not really getting the groove, then they really miss out. Um, but my position group, I actually struggle with this, man, because I kind of 
I flew around three or three different groups, you know, and I'll tell you what they were. They were defensive tackle, they were cornerback, and then they were receiver. Uh, so defensive tackle mainly because I kind of said, nah, I don't really think it's much of a battle. I really think Neville Gallimore and um, also Digazua will end up being the clear starters out of that group. Um, cornerback, I really could have gone there, but I was like, ah, I'm going to leave it alone, mainly because I like the receiver situation um because of the situation that we are currently in with the receivers Michael Gallup being out um due injury for three weeks so the position battle is between Jalen Talbert and James Washington and so the the rookie versus the veteran and you like it you like you like this battle <laughs> are you are you happy about I'm, this, it's, it's, this, this I, it's, it's not something that I like it's, oh, hold on let me, it's something I'm interested in seeing how it's going to play out because it's gonna, mm. it's not, it's gonna go past training camp. I feel because it's gonna go into yeah. the season once Michael Gallup comes back. And so, whether or not Jalen Talbert or Jason or uh, James Washington will step up and really claim that number two receiver spot for the next three weeks, in order to claim that number three receiver spot when Michael Gallup comes back, that's what I'm trying to excited to see. That's what I'm really interested to see. And so, um, Jalen Talbert has the opportunity, you know, because they're both. Let's be real. They're both gonna get playing time at two and three receiver for the first three weeks. It's all a matter about who's gonna continue getting playing time once that fourth week hits for the Dallas Cowboys. Once uh, my, or whenever Michael Gallup comes back, I'll just say that whenever Michael ba- Gallup comes back, who's gonna still get that playing time? And so, um, mm-hmm. like, it's a good opportunity from them both. But it's something that I'm interested to see develop as through the training camp and going into the season. Um, the preseason games would be very telling, I feel, because uh, it's really kind of, I think it's going to fall on to who Dak develops a relationship with when it comes on the field. You know, who's who he has a better connection with on the field when he's throwing that ball, in my opinion. And so it could be James. Or it could be Jalen, you know what I mean? And so it's going to be interesting. I, that's where that's where I'm like, okay, who? That's what I'm really more interested in. It's like, who's Dak going to favor more during the game time yeah. when they have that opportunity when they both are out there? Or you know what I mean? Because that, that's going to play a part into it. Because like, he can, if he doesn't develop a connection with them, like it's not really. Are they really like a number three option if he doesn't have a connection with them? You know what I mean? And so that's where, like, that's where I think the the storylines and the story actually becomes a little bit more interesting. It's like, hey, who is Dak going to favor more during this preseason and during the first three weeks of the season while Michael Gallup is out, man? So that's what I like about it. Yeah, and what I want to see actually in regards to the receiver position is, and I'm glad you mentioned Dak Prescott, is because last year he had no issue with kind of spreading the wealth to pretty much any and everybody that was on the field. It's like if you're on there, you're basically going to be, you know, an option for me to go to. I'm not going to force feed it to Omari at the time or to CD. I'm fine kind of giving to whoever has the, the matchup, I think, or, you know, wherever the, the uh, you know, my reads take me. I wonder if he's going to have that same mindset now uh, because I think most people will say that the talent we have currently is not, really even close to what we had last year. So will we still we still have that mindset of, you know, whoever's out there, I'm going to be, you know, cool we're going with? Or are we going to have more of the traditional that you see in a lot of teams is, you know, my number one or number two, I'm going to feed them number one as much as possible. Two will get a little bit, and then anybody else, you know, maybe here or there, you might get a few uh, looks here, a few looks throughout the game, throughout the season type of type of thing. Because honestly, as of right now, aside from C.D. Lamb, you know, with Mike Kelly being out, almost everybody else seems to be about even, as we've seen in terms of either production or ability. Now, Tolbert, from what we've seen from, you know, the draft analysis and stuff, he may actually develop into being, you know, able to play quite a few positions and be able to be quite dynamic. But, you know, he's still a rookie coming in. He wasn't a very high draft pick. So I'm going to assume that his starting point for right now is probably pretty much even with a lot of the people's currently on the roster. So I think, like you said, it's going to be 
something interesting to watch and to monitor even for the entire season, uh, but definitely in training camp and, and preseason, kind of see what that pecking order is going to be, if there is one at all. And if there isn't one, you know, what happens when we get into the regular season and then teams understand that, hey, we've been forced feeding C.D. Lamb, we're going to double cover C.D. Lamb, so I'm going to make it goals to somebody else. Or we're going to, you know, cover him or put our best cornerback on C.D. Lamb, we're going to bracket Dalton Schultz, and then now what are you going to do with the passing game? That's what I want to see, you know, can someone step up and take reins of it? What does Dak kind of think is his go-to when that happens? And can these young receivers or the ones that haven't gotten as much playing time to kind of step up and be used to the a higher volume than what they've kind of seen probably so far in their current careers? Hey, you know, you brought up something that we actually haven't talked about yet. I pretty brought up earlier is the Dalton Schultz situation. Um, we didn't get him signed to a, a long-term contract, so he will be playing on the on the franchise tag. It hasn't been announced that he's not going to go to um, – he's not going to be at training camp, so I'm assuming he's there. And so, like, how do you feel about that Dalton Schultz situation? Like, where do you – we kind of talked about it on the last episode on his pay grade, and you know, I kind of messed up on his tight end. Uh, tearing, you know, all that. Hey, what he's not a top hey, Here's another thing about that. So what? he's not a top we say, ten. We say, we say, we say, we say he's not, tier three, tier he, five. Yeah, I said, tier, tier three. Five, I said two, two, tier two, 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 three. But hey, check it. He's not a top ten tight end in, in Madden ratings right now. So let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my backup. You know? Madden, you know, they're so accurate with their ratings. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's my backup. <laughs> so, I can check that. I'm trying to think who, who, who ten. Ten uh, Dallas Gallagher made, yeah. Dallas, Dallas made, made the list. I do remember seeing that. I was like, yeah, I, I do remember saying I would like having Dallas Gallagher more than Dalton. Yeah. Um, do you – are you okay with – like, do you think the Cowboys will get a contract done with Dalton after the season, or you think, like, this is it for Dalton? Just random question, last question. <laughs> I think they're going to have to get something done and they will get something done because they basically traded, they traded Amari Cooper so they can have money to pay him. They kind of made the choice like one or the other and they chose Dalton Schultz. Uh, I think I mentioned before in a few episodes that I would have told Amari Cooper and just held on to it for a little bit longer. And I feel like you can maybe replace what Dalton Schultz gives us a little bit easier than Amari Cooper, but hey, it is what it is. We'll kind of see how that plays out. But I think because of what they, you know, they had to give up Amari, they gave up for so little that if you, trade Amari for, you know, most low round pick and you don't resign Dalton Schultz and you walks next year. At that point, it's like, what are we even doing? You know, at this point, it's like you invested in Dak Prescott. You know, there's been people getting upset about him saying, oh, he's overpaid and, and yada, yada, yada. But you're not going to need to give him any weapons now. It's like once you invest in that quarterback, now you got to do everything you can to make his job easier so you can kind of, you know, make him worth the money. But if you now, you know, take away Amari and then potentially don't have Dalton Schultz for long term, then it's like, okay, well, he's basically starting all over and saying that I guess because he's paid a lot, he has to do what uh, Aaron Rodgers does. It's like, no, he's not Aaron Rodgers. Who is Aaron <laughs> Rodgers at this point, right? It's like you want to reward your quarterback and give him as much weapons as possible to give you the best chance of winning. So because of that, I think they are going to at some point work something out because, you know, I think Dak wants them. Dak has a good rapport with them. They're great on the field together. So you got to get it done. Yeah. Um. So I agree, man. I we put ourselves behind the eight ball here, you know? And so um, I don't see a Kyle Pitts coming out of this draft currently. And so it's not like we could go in the draft. And I already said Jake Ferguson is Dalton Schultz 2.0. And so it's like, the I think the best thing that we could hope for Dalton Schultz is for him to be, and really is a shot of the dark, you know, but kind of just a, 
tier less than Jason Witten, you know? And I mean, he kind of is almost like Jason Witten minus the blocking that Jason Witten was able to do for us, you know? And so if he's able to mm-hmm. step up on his blocking side and then, um, you know, be, be consistent on the on the receiving end. Then hey, I mean, all right, cool. We'll pay, we'll pay the dude, and it's coming up off season. Uh, just not fifty four. He's not worth fifty four mil. Uh, and, and for that aspect of it, you know, I mean, because um, I mean, Jason Witten, he built a legacy. You know, <laughs> Dalton Schultz mm-hmm. is not that legacy that Jason Witten once was. And so, um, you mentioned the Cowboys have money. And so the Cowboys are currently sitting on $20 million worth in cash space this season. And so uh, mm-hmm. with that $20 million, the Cowboys did not sign Von Miller. They did not sign uh, – <laughs> You know what they did do? Okay. <laughs> they, they, didn't sign, <laughs> they didn't sign Bobby Wagner. Uh, who else nope. was out there? They didn't sign Julio Jones, who just got signed today for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, they didn't sign – let's see. Uh, they didn't sign – a safety see, or a big name safety? Casey Jackson, Chandler Jones, Tyron Matthew. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Tyron Matthew. Got, Alan, Alan, Alan Robinson. Yeah, Tyron Matthew got signed with the uh, New Orleans Saints. Alan Robinson went to the – he went to uh, L.A. Rams, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He went to the Rams. and so That was, that was a good pickup by them. Very good, very good. Because uh, he lost Robert Woods. And so now, free agents, you know, uh, I probably – Peaked on my mic right there, but uh, Anthony Barr is still available. Um, yeah. Dominican Zoo Shoe Shoe is still available. Uh, J. C. Mm. Trotter is still available. Those are just a few names that are still available. And so, um, with the cat space, who would you sign? Who are on your list? Like, I want to. I don't want a position. I want a name. Give me mm. a name. One name. I want a name. So I was going back and forth with this um, between either trying to add to our defensive line or our receiving core. Um, but I'm thinking with in the mindset of, okay, we watch you want to make a run for the playoffs, a run to maybe go deep in the playoffs. So with that in mind, I chose Endomic and Sue. So I, I know we do have quality talent on the D-line already in terms of Ojigizua and Navelle Gallimore. But for me, I think we still need help with the run stopping, though, because they're both really good at rushing the passer. Gallimore can play the run pretty decent as well but it's not really a consistent thing down in and down out I think we kind of showed that last season and I feel like adding someone like Sue you know because he is older he's not going to be a long-term deterrent to the young guys we already have on the roster because we've been drafting a lot of young D linemen now late in later in the draft but I think we're trying to fill some needs there but I think he might come in and give a good shot in the arm for our defensive line in, in terms of the run stopping and I think if we add that element to it and then put him in the rotation that will help us out quite a bit when it comes time to playing, you know, quite a few of these different teams and allowing us to improve our passers because now we can get people in second and long, third and long, things of that nature. Um, because without it, I can see us being, you know, as our young guys get, you know, more experienced of being better in the run, but not really to the level, I think, to where we actually are a big time deterrent for a team deciding if they want to go forward on third and short or second and short or something like that too. So to me, I think even though Sue is older, he would fit right in and he wouldn't mess up anything in terms of the cap space because we wouldn't have him sign for a long-term contract. It'd be like a short-term, you know, one partially agreed, partial guaranteed deal, something like that. And then, you know, he comes in there and gives it a good chance to make a run for the playoffs. And if it doesn't work out, I mean, he's an older player. We can move on from that and then try again next year or something like that too. So for me, the receiving core was enticing, but I think for the long term, because I'm assuming at some point in time, I Gallup's going to be coming back for us this year. That I think improving that D line and adding Sue would be the biggest benefit if we had to pick just one free agent. 
Yeah, man. Uh, and Dominican actually does pull a very interesting aspect to it. So if we did get him resigned, I do like you kind of kind of sold me on it. Um, I went with you know, you know I've been advocating for Anthony Barr for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, ever since we lost that on Bobby Wagner, I've been advocating for <laughs> that uh, for that man, and so I, I'm still going to go with that. Um, only because a I don't trust LVE. I just don't trust him, you know, in those packages where we have, uh, where my kids will be blissing, you know, I just don't trust him. And what Anthony does, it gives us a better insurance just in case Jabril Cox doesn't work out automatically, you know. Mm-hmm. So we get a veteran back there with Jabril, Micah, and or with Micah and LVE. And we have a veteran out there who has already have a proven resume. And I believe he still has an epic. Uh, impact and like you said, man, he's a veteran. One gear, go for broke. You know, if this is the gear you want to go for the Super Bowl, you know, hey, the Rams has done it multiple times, getting all these old veterans on one year contracts, and we see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing it now. Hey, you know, they still got some gas left in the tank. Let's let's be the ones to run that tank down to empty. You know, mm-hmm. and so um, let's see what we can do with it. And so we got twenty million left in the bank. You know, <laughs> so like let's do something with it. You could sign two of these players with that amount of money for one year. Come on now, let's go for it. You know, so, but I do like the Anthony Barr. I do like Shoe. Um, I was looking at you know receiver. You know, Will Fuller being out there too. I didn't really it hasn't really sold me. Julio Jones actually would have sold me, especially with Michael Gallup going down. That would have sold me on it. Um, Safety, I'm okay with us with safety right at, right now with Malik uh, Hooker and J. Ron Curse. Um, cornerback, Kevin King is out there, but I'm not really, you know, I think we kind of get the same thing with what we currently have on our roster as far as uh, cornerbacks with it. So, but yeah, Anthony Barr and uh, Shu, um, those are, those would be my two favorite signees. And so, um, and just, you know, if the line doesn't work out, you know, Dwayne Brown's available. I already missed J.C. Totter, uh, or, God, not going to mess up his name, Totter. Um, but I was missing him that he's also available still. And so, like, if something's on the O-line, not, like, we're not trusting well, then we got those guys out there. But um, I, for one, would like to see money spent on Anthony Brown. And so... I mean, Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr, yeah. <laughs> Anthony Barr. <laughs> but I, I'm with you on that, too. That would be a good pickup as well. Um, at this stage in his career, he's not, you know, no longer a star. doesn't really do anything at elite level. But he actually does – he's more like a jack-of-all-trades, though, to where he actually can leave him out yep. there the entire the entire, the entire, entire game. Um, he can rush the passer a little bit so he can be using uh, some different packages and such. He, of course, can tackle. And, he also, like you said, he also can cover as well. So with that, you know, it allows us to be more creative and play around with where, where Mark is at, where Anthony Barr is at. So I can definitely see that being of good use, especially with Dan Quinn, the way he likes to, you know, switch things up. Um, I was with you on for Will Fuller, too. I know you, you were kind of shaky on that, but I was thought that was my second pick in terms of adding to our receiving core, just because right now I really just don't see until Michael Gallup gets back, we don't really have that other guy that can really just, you know, challenge a defense either down the field or kind of make them hesitant to double team CD Lamb, um, just because we don't know what we have and what we or what we've seen before. They haven't really been those go-to guys that get you know massive volumes of targets. Uh, but with Will Fuller, while he is going to of course be the entire season a injury risk, I think that's something that we actually could afford to do because we're going to have a quality receiver returning back at some point in time during the season. So maybe he can stay healthy, hopefully the whole season. But if not, at least the first half. 
then that might allow us to have our offense be at a pretty high level because right now I'm not sure what level we're going to be at. I can't say for certain that we're going to be at the same level we were at last year. I know we still have, you know, our running backs back and you have the quarterback as well, which is our two big components, but that receiving core took a beating. Um, you know, we're still trying to make sure that our offensive line is good to go. There's a little bit of shuffling around going on that. So I feel like adding a weapon like Will Fuller could potentially open some stuff up and make it be a little bit more creative, give us more space for CD Lamb to operate um, because there's no worry about, you know, because Will Fuller can take the top off for the defense too. So that to me was a bit yep. intriguing to add to the to the core, but I think maybe we want to see what we have first, you know, for training camp, maybe a little bit in preseason, and then after that they may decide, okay, we need to bring in something else to, to help out. Um, for Julio Jones, I think that would be a good pick too, but I think that may cause a few more issues whenever Michael Gallup would come back because I only see Julio oh, okay. playing in the slot. I don't see Michael Gallup playing in the slot at that point and be CD back in the slot, but I think at this point in time we kind of want him to develop into that number one receiver. I think Julio may kind of stunt that the way that our offense currently is set up. So you don't want CD in the slot all the time too. So I think maybe that's why they need to kind of held off on that. Um, but it was hell of a pickup for Tampa though. I think he's going to do very well there. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and what you said, basically what you said with their whole uh, office scheme there, he immediately goes to that number two position right across from Mike Evans and Godwin goes into this, uh, Goodwin goes into the slot position. And so um, that actually does make sense for them, that pickup over there. Um, before we go on to the next topic or next thing I want to talk about, uh, trades real quick. And so kind of, Cowboys kind of have been rumored in some trade aspects um, as far as Tristan Hill being on the block or uh, being shopped around. And then they kind of been rumored in the trade with uh, Cincinnati Bengals for Jesse Bates, uh, the safety of Jesse Bates. Um is is that something you would do if there or if if not that trade? Is there any trades that you kind of would be interested in, or a player you might be interested in trading for? First of all, I'm surprised that there are even interest in people trading for Tristan Hill. Like when you mention his name, like people actually want to pick him up. At the, he hasn't really shown much at this point, right? He hasn't been able to play for yeah, too many. So if they can actually get some form, yeah. I think that'd be pretty I mean, good for the Cowboys. Could be bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, for Jesse Bates, I'm surprised by that because it, the Cowboys have shown they really don't invest too much into the safety position, but that would actually fill a big need for us, you know, a top flight safety back there. So when that takes the ball away, um, so I'd be all in favor for that, depending on what we had to give up. So if we actually were willing to, you know, give up a few assets to bring in someone for the secondary, then yeah, I'm all for that. Um, if not that, then of course, like I said before, someone on the D line, maybe like a, someone that's like a rush in, I would go for too, but those guys are at a premium. So I doubt it'd be worth it for us to try to get one of the elite guys for that too. So if it is something more like a safety or something that someone's willing to give up, I think that would fit right into kind of what we need because we already have the strong safety is locked down. Um, but the free safety can always be upgraded. And if we do that, then we almost have what three of the four positions pretty much locked up. And then now we have yep. you know the battle for the other two spots. Yeah, man. When I heard that rumor, I was like, man, why didn't Cowboys trade Leo Collins over there for to send another pick to bring Jesse Jesse Bates back? Mm-hmm. That would have been but because y'all don't know how to manage conversation coming out of your office, man. Y'all missed out on an opportunity, I feel. Well, you know what I said? They should have just tried to spin him down to a guard, man. And at that point, we would have like a pretty beastly old line, I thought, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree too. Hey, but so think, speaking of Lyle, he's on the pup list for his foot. And, um, Amari Cooper is not practicing for the first two weeks due a training camp due to an injury as well. So 
two players at the cap. Oh, and Randy Gregory is also hurt as well. <laughs> um, he won't be at training camp. So the three main players of the Cowboys uh, let go last season were uh, they're not even starting out training camp hot for the new team. So I, I don't know, maybe something that the Cowboys uh, foreshadowing or something. I guess you said Cowboys got lucky. Or something like that. Is that is that is that wishful thinking? Is <laughs> yeah, I guess so I guess you call it wishful thinking. You know, the Cowboys just got lucky. I don't know. So a um, little bit about. <laughs> right. Um, talking about Amari Cooper. So um, he was asked, you know, uh, this past uh, doing one of his press conferences, uh, is C.D. Lamb ready to be number one? And I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. on his response. He says C.D. Lamb has been ready to be number one. It's basically on whether or not he's going to get the uh, balls or whether or not Keller Moore is going to call the right plays for him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, is that a dig? Oh, he kind of kind of went on the carry on and saying, hey, last year I was on a team where we had three guys who could go get it uh, at any point. And he's talking about himself, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. Mm-hmm. And so, but he said the reason why I knew I was pulled out that office because I stopped getting, I saw less balls. Or like most plays weren't getting called for me, stuff like that. And so uh, he's like, if Keller Moore calls the plays for CeeDee Lamb, CeeDee Lamb will be successful. So is that a dig at Keller Moore and the Cowboys offense? Or is this like... A Mark Cooper just being like, "Hey, I'm the old guy right now in the room right now, and the young guy's coming in." No, that's definitely a dig, um, but it kind of mirrors what a lot of people were thinking in the middle of the season. Though it's kind of like, what happened to this offense? You know, the first few games we were, we were on fire, lighting everything up, like unstoppable. It seemed like a ju- offensive juggernaut, and then he kind of just, yep. you know, just went to a standstill. So people were kind of questioning, like, are you forget how to call plays? Are you out of rhythm or whatever? And maybe it could have been, you know, like Amari like Amar was saying to where for whatever reason he wanted to, to, you know, spread the wealth and not really focus on his impact players. Uh, maybe he didn't want to feature CD lamb for whatever reason. And that would be, you know, a fault by him uh, because he is one of the more talented players on our team. Uh, I guess the probably number two in talent for our receiving core for last year. And the most dynamic one that we had last year too, to not feature him, then that would be definitely on, on Kellen Moore. But to me, though, because from watching the games, it seems also like I know he calls the plays, but also Dak checks out of a lot of plays, too. So I'm not sure if that kind of went into mm-hmm. it. He didn't really go too much into, you know, what actually happens day in, day out when they call a play, not for CD. Does Dak then check to one for CD? Does he not have that option? That's stuff that they haven't, you know, really mentioned at all. But that's very interesting. It definitely is a dig, but there may be some truth to it. Maybe not just him being bitter or whatever. Actually, maybe like, yeah, it is what it is, you know. I got my targets and they got their targets, but I would say the way the Cowboys offense operates is a lot different or different from what I normally see for other teams because they don't really feature these guys all the time. It is more kind of just a mm-hmm. equal opportunity offense. And a lot of times for other offenses, it's more like, Hey, if I have a superstar or a star, I'm going to call quite a few plays to go to them time and time again throughout the entire game. Whereas for us, we normally see that maybe starting off, they'll start the first few drives going towards, you know, C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper, not so much in the middle. And then when the game's on the line, you try to go to them too. When it's like, okay, well, if you kind of fed them the entire game, maybe we wouldn't be in these like close games for teams you're not supposed to be this close to before anyway. So I definitely think there's something might be there for it. And, yeah, I definitely think it was a dig um, against them. Yeah, something about the Cowboys offense last year, and um, it, they really were more of a second-half offense you know Google, our offense in the first half was absolute trash like we couldn't get nothing moving and we'll go down and then all of a sudden you know Dak opens up his eyes and the ball gets going and you know we get we 
make these games close and then we'll, we'll lose them. I mean, like, look at the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs. And so like, like they'll get us to the door, but we don't kick it open. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, or then we're late getting into the door, you know, <laughs> and it's like, Hey, no, the store's closed, bro. Like you can't come in. <laughs> like it's already mm-hmm. too late. Um, so like this offense, um, coming up and like, Hey, if Kellen Moore, he needs to feature CD, you know, he needs to feature Tony Pollard. And so that's another thing. That's another topic. Uh, another storyline that I mentioned for training cap is like, Hey, what plays is Kellen Moore calling? What features, like what situations is he putting his office in his offensive players in? And, um, where are they going with it? You know, and they're like preseason. Hey, what are you doing in these games? Doing these play calling situations. Like, what are you doing in these situations? Like that's going to be, this, that's going to be, I think, a continuing storyline for the season is Kellen Moore's offense. Because um, we already know what Dan Quinn's defense could do. They proved it last year. Now, we're not going to expect the same thing, but the standard is set. You know, hey, we right. set a standard. Everyone's going to go out. Everyone's going out there. And we're going to play hard. Everyone's going to get into the ball, like 11 guys to the ball. That's The standard has been set for the defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the standard has been set for the offense. And that's, I think that's what Julian, what Julian would say, hot take. That's a pretty hot take. The center has not been set for the mm-hmm. offense. And so, like, um, what's our identity? Are we, we going to be a run team? Are we going to be a power run team? Or are we going to, hey, we're going we to fill the stadium up with these balls going through the air, and we're going to light up the store, scoreboard. And so um, we have the talent to be multidimensional on the offense and be successful and really make these defenses really confused and, and really – can't be able to pick up a read on this, in my opinion. I think we have that skill set for the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm also thinking that, and this is kind of just trying to be super positive or whatever for for the outlook <laughs> for it. Hey, man, you don't have to be positive, man. You're, I know. I'm, I'm I, sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> I, I know, but this is how it's going to come off. But this is kind of something I just thought about when you're when you're mentioning that. Um, the issues we saw last year with the offense and the struggles and play calling and such could it have been. Maybe, again, because we had, for him, too many weapons or too many mouths to feed in terms of trying to feature them all instead of focusing on just, like, maybe one or two of your main guys. Because even so remember last more year, money, more problem situation? Yeah, because, you know, Amari Cooper, uh, you know, pretty much was our best receiver. So he's going to get his touches. CeeDee Lamb is yeah. the young gun, up-and-comer, maybe potential future star, superstar. So he needs to get touches to develop. Michael Gallup has already been established. He's coming up for a contract year. So he's going to be, you know, buying for his touches because he needs to get the to do well so he can get paid and kind of earn what he thinks he deserves. Um, we already had Dalton Schultz, you know, he, who was a part of the offense as well, and then the two running backs as well. So you kind of saw where we didn't really focus on one main player for too much for the like, entirety of the game, or even for, from game to game, it kind of changed, and it wasn't really where. Well, it kind of was, okay, the, the defense gives me this, I'm taking it, versus being like, okay, they're giving you this, but I know that this is my best player who can make a play, let me get the ball to him type of thing. And I think that may have been an issue because we're trying to appease all these different miles that we need to feed all these talented players and not really focus on, okay, like you said, establish who are we, what is our identity? You know, Are we going to be where we need to run first up the play action and do all for that? Are we one that we normally throw all the time? But if we are... Do we just spread it out to everybody, like Air Raid, which we aren't, or do, do we feature this player, this player, and then everybody else has to kind of get in line and maybe they'll get a few touches here or there. So I think you might see this season where, again, we're going to ha- pretty much have to at this point. He's going to have to feature CeeDee Lamb for the passing game, so CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz. And then at that point for until Michael Gallup is back, everybody else kind of 
I guess, falls in line. But if that doesn't happen and they kind of feed everybody else, I think it's be to the detriment of the team. So maybe it'll be easier for him to kind of game plan and scheme stuff up now because there's less to worry about because it's like, hey, it's CeeDee Lamb or Bust at this point in time until Mike Gallup gets back. Oh, man, thank you. Hey, you actually brought up a good point. It's like too many mouths to feed versus one future receiver, um, two backs, and one uh, pretty good tight end. Um pretty good. I put him in a pretty good category. Because I, I think I mean, people assume it's like it's kind of like, oh, we have all these top receivers and it's kind of like Madden where it's like, oh, well give me all these top receivers. I can get them all a thousand yard seasons or whatever. It's good to go. But it doesn't really work that way because, you know, you actually have to deal with them. They're actually people. You know, you deal with them on the day-to-day. They're going to be asking for certain touches and different situations be upset. You have to manage all that kind of expectations. So I think that may have been an issue because they're all in different stages of, you know, Amari's the veteran, CD's the up-and-comer, and Michael's trying to get paid. So hopefully since pretty much everything's been resolved so far for the receiving core in terms of, you know, money and kind of pecking order now, then maybe now things will kind of fall in line in terms of us getting more of an identity just because it's a different situation from what we had before. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, she kind of renew my excited excitement. Uh, for this office, man. I told so, you it was pie in the sky, know. man. I was gonna say it's gonna come off that way. I just thought about that. It seems like, hey, if that happens, then maybe we can run for a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that could have been an issue. We'll see how it plays out now that we don't have that same type of locker room when it comes to receiver talent. Yeah, I mean, we just have to see. And so, um, man, that's you. You brought up that's pretty. You have me dumbfounded, man. That's a good way to close the show. <laughs> Dale's thoughts are good. Well, no, think about it. What was the pecking order last year for the receiving core? You don't really know. Mm-mm. So, like, you, like, was it Amari or was it CD? Like, is CD going to be the guy? Or was it when Michael Gallup was healthy, was it Michael? And so, like, mm-hmm. Michael kind of got those red zone uh, from, like, the 20 yards and out. He kind of got those looks. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and really on third down, you could say, like, anybody was up for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so – and I feel like we got predictable in the run game. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother. I don't know what happened with that. <laughs> like so, two run plays, and that they're all up the middle. It's our zone. ISO. It's our zone. ISO. Hey, what about power when Zeke really was yeah, good? We were running power, plays man. and on, sweeps now. and all that. What happened to all that stuff? Nope. None of that. But, yeah, dude. <laughs> nope. That's a good – that's a good – Uh, maybe we're going to have to have – Huh. I'm coming up for next show ever already, bro. It's a real thing, though, right? We, we gotta ask Julian that, man. It's it a is, real it thing. Is. There has to be a pecking order for everything, you know, running backs, receivers, yeah. everything that you do. Yeah, and like you said, you know, like when we play, and so we got a little bit of time. We can kind of dive into it, and so that's for our audience. Like we play Madden. Uh, with two of our other friends in a franchise. And so mm-hmm. Daniel was always a guy to get everybody that everybody wants in trades and all that. A whole lot of old veterans, and you put them on one year. Uh, I, yeah. I'm kind of uh, over – I'm overplaying <laughs> it, but it's for the show. <laughs> but you, all, you you get vets, and you move them around for one year, and, like, you always get, like, these multiple receivers, and everybody seems to get fed, you know, and I think I have something going on, and then all of a sudden this other receiver out of nowhere is like, who the heck is this guy? What did they – pick him up and all that but uh like can't play nfl that way and so mm-hmm. that really barely rarely works yep. and so like you could say tampa bay hey they got two receivers right now julio jones and mike and mike evans well julio jones is at the end of his career let's be straight up and honest he's at the end of his career mike evans basically i would say he's still in his prime because i mean 
He's uh, he's currently has the most receiving yards consecutive series, a thousand yard receiving years currently. And then you got old Tom Brady and mm. who's retired and came back and Leonard Fournette. So they kind of got a mixture of old guys. And you know, I think the pecking order for them is, hey, whoever Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, <laughs> and then whoever else Tom Brady decides to. Um, for the St. St. Louis, I'm sorry, the L.A. Rams, the pecking order was Cooper Cup and everybody else after that. <laughs> so um, Green Bay Packers, Devontae Adams, everybody else. And so uh, you actually do make a whole lot of sense when you have, when you're talking about a pecking order, when you do have elite players in that position, like there should be a pecking order, you know? Yeah. And so uh, maybe you're right. Like having Amari Cooper, who has been established as an elite receiver, who, uh, who was uh, quote unquote Batman I actually, <laughs> from the last episode. <laughs> and you have a Robin kind of developing yeah. as, as CD Lamb. And so, like, hey, maybe Robin was more of a Batman than Batman, and Batman was more of a Robin, but you don't know because it wasn't established. And again, that goes down to coaching. You know, maybe Michael McCarthy gets in his ear and says, uh, maybe Michael McCarthy did have more of a voice he's coming up offseason, and that's probably why we spend more money to keep Michael Gallup. It was instead of trading and traded Amara Cooper, it's like, hey, let's create this pecking order. Because when I was when I won a Super Bowl championship, my pecking order was uh, uh, Donald Driver and Greg Jennings. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah. Dang, you actually did rejuvenate. Hopefully, some Cowboys fans got off the backs up there. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, man. It's just something to think about because it's everybody. It was strange for everybody because I'm, you know, just seeing how we know Kellen Moore is gifted when it comes to play calling. He's been up with going there for a while, and just seeing how things just kind of stagnated when we had so much talent out there it didn't make any sense. But other stuff may have been in play. You know, it may have yeah. been just not on the same page. Um, is that all on him? Probably not. Also, maybe someone Dak Prescott, too, because he's the leader of the team, leader of the offense. But I can see how that could get in the way of certain things and certain play calling and certain, kind of just the whole team not really being on the same page of knowing, all right, it's this down, this distance, this quarter. We we, we all know where the ball is going to go to or who it should go to. There's no, you know, yeah. no argument about that. Where it could be last year, maybe it was a discussion in the huddle about who should get the ball this time. Whose turn is it? Let's give a Mario turn. Let's get CD a turn. Let's get Michael a turn. When that may not be the best thing, how it goes. Maybe it is more of just you need to have your go-to player or players and stick with that, and then sometimes go away from that. But for the most part, you kind of want to have you don't want to have the defense dictate what you're doing all the time because they're doing yeah. that for a reason because that's what they want you to do versus you kind yeah. of making them react to what you're doing. I think for last year, we had a lot of reacting to with the defense of what they were giving us versus a they have to kind of catch up with us. And we're going to tell them what what to do, and they got to deal with it. I don't think we had that mindset last year. So you know what, Dad? This one could be man. He, 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 he. No, thank you. You know, bringing up a good point, man. So you get a you get a round of applause for that. <laughs> Derek's going. Derek's going to laugh so hard. Oh, he's going to love these little edits. <laughs> I'm having fun with this, man. Um, oh, I need so, some of hey, those, man. I, I need some of that power. I know. Yeah. I got, I got, man, this uh, Riverside uh, app, I guess I would call it, is like really pretty mm-hmm. cool, man. I'm going to I'm gonna see what, what other things we can play with. You know, um, our our show has been posted, and it's been, it was actually, you saw the video aspect of it 
of a two on Spotify. So that was pretty cool. So this, this thing is actually bringing us some different tools to us. So maybe, you know, we get some training camp action, you know, get some plays going, kind of see some uh, little some little uh, analyst things from us a little bit more on play to play play by play situations going into the season. So I'm kind of I'm a little pumped up and a little bit excited about this little app going into the season, man. So uh, Daniel, close it out. Say goodbye to the people. Drop some uh uh wow. Drop some plugs if you got them. Yeah, you know what it is, y'all. Y'all cannot find me on social media, but you can catch me on Speaking for Sport. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> T Huff, you know, Thespian Poppy, Terrell Huff, and of course, DR Lewis, not third, baby. Um, we'll be dropping some stuff for you pretty soon, so please tune in for that. Uh, but aside from that, you know what I'm saying? Much love. Um, sorry for the wait, but we're back now. Uh, we're going to give you some few more episodes coming up here pretty consistently. And it's almost that time of the year. You know what I'm saying? Football starting up again. So I'm not fired up for it. Ed is too. So we're going to give you some great content coming up. Let's get it going. Like I said, we've got some training cap episodes coming up for you guys. And we'll be and they will be hot and heavy. Uh, we I'm thinking about it. we're probably going to do every preseason week. We'll probably come out here with it with you guys. And so you always know stories come out during training camp. And like, uh, you know who I am. My name's Ed White, a.k.a. Trey Blanco. Follow, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> you you real, know what it is. <laughs> oh, my God. I got to remember who I am when I close out the show. Who are you? <laughs> follow me on Twitter, at Trey underscore Blanco, the real Trey Blanco. Uh Y'all, y'all know what it is. Be blessed, be peace, be love. We out. <laughs> peace. <laughs> you know what it is.